Calling All Woodies, aka Woodworking Nerds, Bench Heads, Sharpening Nuts. I've got a podcast episode for you with David Brooks, or as many know him, Brooksy. Brooksy posted a video on YouTube on a 1993 Chevy G20 van he rebuilt. It has well over a half a million views, and it shows off a lot of his wood whispering skills. So we're going to talk about that, and you might even hear him play the banjo. Let's leap in. What's up, Brooksy? What are we doing? Brooksy is a teacher, but he's also very crafty. I've seen a lot of his time-lapse videos and really cool woodworking project. But I would say what you're most known for nowadays is Ruby. So tell us about Ruby. Yes, yes. So I bought a 1993 Chevy G20 conversion van and I gutted everything, took all the carpet out, took the couch in the back out, the chairs out, some of the lining in the walls, put in a new floor, put in a bed, a whole new like a little house electric system for some lights and power source, made a table and Turn it into basically a, a tiny little camper van that we now use to to drive all over the country. It is a true work of art. I watched the video the other night. It's really impressive. I in the front console, you've got Ruby written out and the hand engraving on your cabinet or your drawer. Mm-hmm. Just some really cool touches that make it super unique. Well, it's the it's the little details that. I don't know, kind of make it comfortable and nice. Because I could have just taken a bunch of plywood, which I did, a bunch of plywood, cut it up, slapped it together, and then called it a day. But at the end, like if we're going to put the time and effort into it, we want to make it ours. And the little thing I want to grow old with you, yeah, it's like, I guess the centerpiece. You open the door, there's the table, and then there's that. I gave that little piece to Jenny, uh, my wife, mm-hmm. and said, you can put whatever you want on this. You can draw a picture, you can write a phrase, whatever. But just know that whatever you put on there, <laughs> I'm going to go back and burn it, and it's going to be there forever. And So, so you better that, like the saying. <laughs> yeah. So that little uh, I Want to Grow Old With You was our wedding song. You know, from, from the wedding singer, Adam Sandler. Can you sing it for us, please? Oh, <laughs> I want to make you smile whenever you're sad. Carry you around when your arthritis is bad. All I want to do is grow old with you. Oh, good. Hey, for being on the spot, you didn't have to clear your throat. (laughs) You never have to get ready when you're always ready. (laughs) Wow. What a quote. So let's uh, back up a little bit. This woodworking background, where did that come from? I don't know. My whole (laughs) life I've enjoyed making things. My brother and I would make models of airplanes and cars and things like that. They'd be real intricate things. You know, you take the glue and you have to have tweezers and sometimes you paint it and all this special stuff. And then Legos, I would get a Lego set and then I would build the set and be like, all right, that was cool. And then I would tear it apart and like build my own stuff with the Legos. So I've always enjoyed building things. Through college, I build swimming pools during the summers. Really? Yeah. In ground, above ground. And what Um, was your hand? in the in-ground pool project what were you usually assigned to i usually was the gopher really i was the summer kid summer help but i would still like to think i contributed that's where i learned to work with power tools but i would get the crap jobs of mixing the concrete and 
grabbing tools and framing things. And I learned a whole heck of a lot, which I was appreciative of. And then they probably loved you because you just do whatever they said. Yeah. Again, I would like to think I contributed and I wasn't just, (laughs) I was a vital member. Of course. Crucial piece. I wasn't the mastermind of the plans or anything. Did an in-ground pool ever turn out really poorly? Not really poorly, no. Well, (laughs) some are better than others. But then once I got older and stuff, I wasn't making a whole lot of things. I was just kind of sitting around. I would go to work and come home and we would eat dinner and watch TV and then go to bed and do it all over again. I'm like, ah, I got to do something. And there was this place in Columbus, I live in Columbus, Ohio. And, yep. uh, it's called the Columbus, Columbus Idea Foundry. We're real fortunate to have it. It's a great facility where it's like a community workspace. So for like a monthly membership, you have access to two full professional woodworking shops with all the tools that you need. There's a metal shop, all sorts of welding. There's a plasma CNC. There's wood CNC, 3D printers, laser cutters, pretty much <laughs> anything you can really think of to be creative and make things. So I kind of got involved with them and through them, everything really took off because now I had access to all of these amazing tools. Any tool that you want. When did you get access to this elite club? I wouldn't say elite because anybody anybody (laughs) walking off the street. I don't know. How long have I been there? Maybe four years. Let's talk about the timing of the purchase. Cause I think you had said you bought it right around COVID. Right. Well, I had already made plans to purchase it over the weekend that everything shut down, but the van was housed, I guess, if you will, its home was in Frankfort, Kentucky, which I think is about four hours from me currently. Um, So I had already had talked with a guy, we had settled on a price and I was going to go down over that first weekend that it shut down to pick it up and drive it back. Well, I still did it, but on the way down, like you're here and concerts are are shutting down, sporting events are going on. You're like, oh my gosh, are they going to like shut the the world? Are they going to get down there and like not be able to get back in Ohio? But luckily that wasn't the case. What initiated the decision to buy a camper van? Well, I've always enjoyed camping. I love camping. My wife, not so much, wasn't her favorite thing. So I kind of She's more of a glamper. Sure. But I I wanted something that, you know, would it make it more comfortable and encourage her to come and share this thing that I love with me. And I've always had a van in my life. My parents always had a conversion van. So I knew how cool conversion vans could be. We've driven all (laughs) over the country growing up with it. My brother currently has the conversion van that we last had as a family. And I was like, hey, you know, we're thinking of doing this road trip, camping out of the van. Can we borrow it? He's like, "Ah, I don't know if it's a great idea. The air conditioning isn't working. It'll cost like 1500 and this and that. And I was like, oh, okay. I was like, well, you know, we'll fix that. But then I was like, I'm going to spend like 1500 to fix somebody else's air conditioning. Let me just put that towards our own crappy yeah. van and then fix it up ourselves and make it nice the way we want it. And right. The way it's ours. So what uh, was the thing that drew you to Ruby? The check of the boxes that I wanted was a mid nineties Chevy G20. Because I knew those bad boys run forever. If they have any issues, there's parts galore. So any mechanic can easily find parts. So I know repair-wise, mechanic-wise, if there were issues, it wouldn't be that difficult to fix. Isn't Uh, that interesting? Do you feel like cars were made better in the 90s than they are today? I have no idea. 
Unfortunately, as cool as having a camper van is, I really don't know much about the actual mechanics of a van. But you had done your research on this specific model and it was like, it has all the parts, it's well-made, can go for hundreds of thousands of miles. Yep, as long as you, you know, take care of it and keep everything on the up and up, it'll outlive you. (laughs) (laughs) How many miles were on it when you bought it? When I bought it, there was 92,000. I mean, it was almost a 30-year-old van with low miles. 92,000 for a 93, super low, which was also one of my check of the boxes. I wanted a high top, so we had a little more space, and it had a high top. If it was a real crappy interior, I was going to get rid of it anyways, which the interior was not all that good. There were stains. It smelled bad. Yeah, Yeah, I saw the before video. I was like, ooh, that needs a lot of work. You converted this in about four months. Talk us through that whole process. How did you have time to to manage the project? Well, like we said, I I purchased it the first weekend that everything started shut down from COVID. Oh yeah, so March. Yeah, but that first week was my spring break from teaching. And then before we took off from spring break, the governor of Ohio was like, oh, we're going to take an extended two-week spring break. So now our spring break went from one week to three weeks. Mm Mm-hmm. But also in there, I kind of had to figure out how the heck I was going to do my job teaching elementary kids with disabilities via a computer. I used the three weeks to kind of explore the van and start taking things apart little by little. And that was kind of the most nerve wracking bit because once I took like a panel of the wall off, I'm like, well, there's no going back now. Like I'm, I'm all in on this. Both hands I, in, let's go. Yeah. Especially when I took up the floor, I was like, well, we got a shell of a van now, so we got to do something. (laughs) The first two months, maybe, I had to do everything in my driveway because COVID had shut down the Columbus Idea Foundry where I was working. So I had to like rearrange my garage to to fit everything. I started parking in the street to make room for the van. You know, I, I don't have the quality tools that the Idea Foundry had. So I was going off a cheap Ryobi table saw and a cheap craftsman jigsaw and things like that. But, you know, I made it work. Luckily, the majority of that part was demolition. That's kind of fun though, right? It tossing, was. Yeah. Tossing stuff and smashing yeah. stuff. Yep. I made friends with people in the neighborhood because I would always be outside and everybody was walking more. So they would stop and talk. And then a delivery guy would stop and talk every now and then. You're like yeah. the talk of the town. <laughs> yeah, with, with the timeline. So once school started back up again, I wasn't doing a whole lot of Zooming with the kids because it just wasn't productive. So I was making videos and sending them to the parents, which left me quite a bit of downtime throughout the day. So I was thankful to have the project of the van to fill that time, but as well as thankful for the time to work on the van. Otherwise, it would take me a lot right. longer. So the first month was probably all demolition, take it out. And then I started to do some smaller things around the van that I could do at home. But once the shop opened up and I was able to go there, use the tools, that kind of really sped things up and the bigger projects started to get completed. There's some people there that, you know, would always pop in and ask what's going on. And I would always pick their brains because there's there's people there that are way more talented than me. Did you bring the van there? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I had permission that I, I said I would only do it at night when a lot of people weren't there, but I could pull it into the shop. So I was real close to the tools and didn't have to walk far if I just had to make a quick cut or some mm-hmm. adjustments. Again, I was real grateful for the space and the people there to, help to help me because I probably wouldn't have been able 
to do it as good if I had to stick it. Still <laughs> you still would have finished it. It just might right. not have had those nice finishing touches on it. Right. You used the shop for a couple weeks and you mentioned in your video that you brought in some help for the electrical work. So talk about that because it sounded like it was kind of a pain in the butt. Yes. Yeah. For the life of me, I cannot wrap my head around electrical stuff. Mm. I tried so hard. I was reading articles. I was watching videos, amps and wattages and gauges of wires and positives and negatives. I was like, <laughs> this is know. beyond I, me. Right. I can somewhat change a light switch in the house, but that's about the extent of my electrical experience. I had a friend from the Idea Foundry who, that's his job. So he helped me wire up like a battery system where I can plug things in with an inverter and wired up some switches so we can turn on some lights from the front and from the middle. The whole big center ceiling light. I took that down and redid everything and put some nice LEDs in there. So it can change colors. It can fade in and out. If you got yeah. music playing, it, cha it changes colors with the music. Mood lighting. Yeah. We've got some accent lights along the sides of the windows. There's so. some by the bed. Hey, <laughs> you just never know what kind of mood Ruby will put you in, you know? That's right. That's right. <laughs> Fans are rocking. Yeah. <laughs> Right. If the vans are rocking. So you've had hundreds of thousands of views on this YouTube video. People seem to have a lot of respect for this craft. And like, this is a world that's kind of unfamiliar to me. So what is it that you think people are drawn to in your video? Well, I know I learned a lot of what I wanted to do, the layout of the van, kind of techniques, what I wanted included and what I didn't want. I learned all that from watching hours and hours of other people's videos as well. So, well, I know from the comments that people have left that they're appreciative of my ideas and the layout that I've done. And they're like, hey, this is great. Like, I'm going to try this in my van. Or I've had this van for a while. And, you know, watching your video has inspired me to start it, especially since COVID, hashtag van life. You <laughs> know, it's almost like you started this trend. No, by no means. It has been around for decades. Like I know, but people after COVID, you know how much that spiked. The van pandemic. Yeah, there you um, go. So it was good that you bought it when you did because prices probably went up a lot. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The crappy van I bought now, like if I were to try and buy the same quality, the same crappiness, yeah, it would be at least twice as much as what I paid. Yeah. So you timed it right. You have some really nice comments on there. I spent quite a bit of time scrolling through hundreds of comments of people being like, that's super cool. There's a lot of crafty stuff like we already talked about, but um, some of the stuff that I liked was the pull out. You've got extra kitchen space because you pull out this cutting board. So it's almost like an additional table. And then you have hooks everywhere throughout the van. So you've got them for bungees. I don't know if you want to hang clothes or something like above the doors. Somebody mentioned something about the handle. Probably they're referring to a handle I fabricated for the back door. Typically when the back door is closed, the trunk door, you cannot open it from the inside. The way that our bed is situated, that's where I would be sleeping. So if I had to wake up in the middle of the night without that handle, I would have to climb over my wife and then go out there. I was like, I, I, don't, I don't want to do I want to piss her off. Right. So I found a way where I can create a handle on that back door so I can open the door from the back, which... Genius. 
typically isn't in any of those vans. So it's fairly rare. It's rare. yeah, it's unique. If you ever end up selling it, which you won't. Yeah, I don't know if the right price comes around. <laughs> well, then the, I want to grow old, but you're gonna have to rip that piece out of there. Can't give that away. What that handle? No, I want to grow old with you. Oh yeah, that'll have to come along. That comes. I mean, out. That, that the tabletop is beautiful, pure walnut, black walnut. It's it's gorgeous. Like that thing alone is. It's beautiful. Did you use one type of wood universally? Pretty well, I guess you can go three types of wood. Okay. A lot of the framing is just done with pine two by fours or two by twos or you know just for framing stuff nothing spectacular the majority of the wood that you see is baltic birch plywood which i had stained and then finished but if you look carefully every single piece of that baltic birch plywood is trimmed with black walnut wow so those are the three woods that i basically used did you ever contemplate naming the van woody instead no (laughs) (laughs) that joke just fell flat on its <laughs> no i left the naming up to my wife and we went through a few things but Ru- ruby kind of stuck it makes sense and when you put that shine on it i don't know what all the technical terms are but it, when it went through its sort of exterior grooming phase it really looked pretty then yeah when i did that there's the first time i did my own detailing the poor girl had been sitting for a couple of years so she needed some tlc <laughs> And when I started that, I was having so much fun seeing the progress. Boy, that was a lot lot more work than I anticipated. Yeah? Uh, what were you thinking it was going to be? I was hoping like two hours tops of washing, <laughs> polishing, buff, but it, I mean, it was a full day. Oh. It was, yeah, it was, it was a lot of work. A lot more. I understand why it costs so much to get car detailed now. It makes Ruby sense. had been rowed hard and put away wet. Yep, yep. But she's good now. She's new pair of shoes, new dress. She's out there. She's got her pocketbook. She's ready to roll. Yeah. Where all have you taken Ruby? What like what was the first place that you adventure that you went on? That summer we had tickets to a concert out in Red Rocks, but unfortunately, canceled. We canceled that. Uh, we also had plans for a wedding in Minneapolis, but that got canceled. So Jeez. the summer before that, we were out in Denver for a show at Red Rocks and we ate at the Denver Biscuit Company and fell in love with it. It was fantastic food. And we were kind of bummed when the show was canceled. We we're like, ah, oh, man, we were really looking forward to the going Denver Biscuit Company. <laughs> and then we were like, well, we got this van and we got no other plans for the summer. Let's go have some lunch at the Denver Biscuit oh Company and then just come on back. That's um, so fantastic. We drove out to Colorado, but one of our ultimate goals is to visit all of the state capitals. And so that was kind of our driving force of the route to get to Denver. We we visited a friend in Chicago, and then we did the capitals of Iowa, Nebraska, I think. Then we did Wyoming, and then straight down to Denver, and then cut across through Kansas, Missouri. Then we hit up Springfield, Illinois, Indianapolis, and then on home. Ohio. How long was that trip? We did that in two weeks. Kind of a week there and a week back. It's a lot of driving. Yeah. Do you yeah. do all the driving? Uh, no, we split it up between my wife and I. And how does she drive? How does my wife drive? <laughs> <laughs> Ruby. Okay, <I> <laughs> You're like, yeah, she's like every other woman. Just she's terrible. in the other room. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, she's good. Uh, you know, the first first time you're like, oh, all right, oh, whoa, whoa. But then you're like, oh, it's a 30-year-old van. But after that trip, we had the brakes looked at and it drives way better now. I wanted to ask about all these people commenting on YouTube. There were a couple of people that were asking about when are you going to do mine? Can you give me a call or like, give me your number so that you can help me out? Would you ever do a commission project like this, knowing that you'd have to give it away at the end of all that work? Everybody's got a price. If the price is right, what that price is right now, I, I honestly couldn't tell you. Right now, I'm gonna, I would say no. It was a lot of work. It was fun. Don't get me wrong. It was fun. It was a nice challenge. I learned a whole hell of a lot, but it was challenging. When yeah. I was finished, I was so happy. <laughs> But that being said, I learned a whole lot. And now I think the next one would be better and maybe quicker now that I kind of know what's going on. But I did learn that there's no standard measurements inside of a van. Nothing is square. So you can't just oh my cut gosh. a piece of wood and expect it to fit in there. Like Yeah, I think having done it yourself, you saved a ton of money. Ton so of you, money. you spent 2500 on the van. You mentioned on YouTube, you spent about $2,000 for the interior remodel. Does that sound right? Yeah, give or take. I wish I would have kept like a running log, but I didn't. My goal was to keep everything said and done out the door, heading out on our first trip, less than 5000 That was like my budget. If you don't count the unforeseen engine, engine issue, we would have done that. Stayed under that. In hindsight, would you have done anything different with your interior remodel or just the project in general? The biggest thing that I needed to change, which ultimately was the quick, easy change, the system we had for our cooler, the cooler would sit on a piece of wood that had wheels on it and would slide in and out. Yeah, I saw that. That was also our, super cool. Our table and we held that with a bungee cord, but it, it got to be a pain to have a reach in there, get the bungee, slide the thing out, push it back in, and then hooking the bungee cord back up was tough. When you have to do it multiple times a day, you're like, this could be better. Did you send pictures of the conversion to the previous owner? He follows me on Instagram. So Aww. He's, he's seen the, the progress and everything. So when you bought it, you told him what you were going to do. So that he started following you. Yep. His van is now living its best Spectacular. life. Spectacular. Right yeah. It's the best compliment. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about Sawdust Revival. That's your Instagram page. Yeah, that's that's kind of like my primarily woodworking logo persona, if you will. Mm-hmm. I dabble in the banjo a little bit as well. So it's kind of my, my stage name. If if anybody's like, hey, you want to play? Do you have your banjo nearby? Uh, it's in the basement. Okay. After the last couple of questions, maybe you could pluck a few chords for the audience. Yeah, sure, sure. Okay. Talk about some of the commission projects that you do woodworking. I think the most popular one as of recently has been um, some cigar ashtrays. Oddly enough, love those. I had a friend like a year ago was like, Hey, can you make me a cigar ashtray? I was like, Yeah, sure. I have ne- never have, but I could do that. And then he didn't give me any sort of guidance. He was like, Hey, <laughs> make it cool. So I made three different ones and he bought two of the three, but the one he did not buy was this one that is uh, kind of in the shape of Ohio. It's a square, but then Ohio was dug out in the middle and then there's four rest resting spots for the cigars and that is the one that has kind of picked up and he owns his own like home renovation company so he's actually been my biggest buyer where he'll buy some and give them to clients as like hey thank you here's this that's Um, super cool 
I just finished a batch for groomsman gifts. How long did that take? If I really dedicated a weekend to it, I can get it done in a weekend. But seriously impressive. It's a hobby. It's not my full-time job. So something like that can take me a month from start to finish. But there's days where I'm not working. Do you still love it? Does it, you enjoy it even when it's for somebody else? I definitely do not enjoy it near as much if it's for somebody else than if it's just for me. Oh no. As sad as it is, but I don't foresee me quitting my teaching job to do this because I don't want this to turn into a job. Well, you're very good at teaching too. And I think your students would be really sad if you chose woodworking over them anyway. So (laughs) uh... those ashtrays are super cool. If I smoked, I would buy one. Was thinking about just buying one to rest my pencils on. I I don't know. Candy, nuts, right. like it didn't have to be ashtrays. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Were you going to say something about your students or just the woodworking piece? Just the woodworking where like, I like that this is a creative outlet for me and I like that I like doing it and I like that other people like me doing it. And I like that you like that other people like. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> but everybody likes it. So I don't want anything in that equation to be disliked. And especially, I don't want to dislike doing the woodworking. So Makes let sense. it just be kind of on the side. When you feel like it, you will say yes, but you're not no. going to take all of your free time. Correct. For other people. Everybody's like, oh, you can sell this for so much. Do you have stuff to sell? Like, I don't ever have an inventory because usually the stuff I make is already spoken for. Which is I- a testament to how good you are. I guess. Thank you. No <laughs> I was one of those people. Wait, so you can make how much on these things? I could, I should actually probably be charging Charge more. more. Yeah. 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 So people who buy from me get a good deal. Do you have anything that's in the works or stuff that you're looking forward to, whether it be with Ruby or woodworking projects? I'm going to make a, a wood turned vessel, if you will, for the idea foundry. It'll be on display there. Showcase like, hey, this is something you can make with the tools here we have. And I'm going to try some techniques that I haven't tried before. It's like an open segmented wood turning. So mm-hmm. I'll take a big piece of wood, cut it into hundreds of tiny little pieces, glue it together in the, like a cool design. And then I put it on a lathe, cut it up, smooth it all out. And it looks really cool. Will you do a time-lapse video for this? I'll give it a shot, yeah. Because usually if I've done something, like a technique, I don't do the video. But if I try something new, then I like to document it. Admittedly, I often do go back and rewatch my videos because, I don't know, I liken it as uh, like an athlete. You know, yeah, you're seeing uh, your performance. Film. What could I have done better? Exactly. Your game gotta, based on for next time. I've got a notebook where I take a bunch <laughs> of notes and stuff. And I mean bunch of places in there it says does not work so i'll Always go back learning. and refer to those notes and i'll watch my videos but That's this real. next one there's a type of segmented wood turning where it's open segmented wood turning so instead of the wood right next to each other there's space between them yeah because that just all goes right over my head because i'm not in woodworking but i'm sure for people that are woodies is what i call them people that enjoy wood woodworking woodies can appreciate that But just in listening to you talk about it and your passion, what I foresee happening is you're going to eventually teach a woodworking class because you're combining, you know, your two loves. If somebody were to be like, hey, we've got this woodworking class open at this high school, 
would you come do it? I would do that in a heartbeat. But yeah, that would be great. We touched on Sawdust Revival. Where can people find you if we go Instagram and YouTube? Instagram is Sawdust underscore Revival. YouTube, I believe if you just do Sawdust Revival, it should pop up. All right, Brooksy, go grab that banjo, boy. (laughs) All right, I'll be right back. (laughs) That's why this big ass cutty board I'm, I'm finishing up to. That looks amazing. Is that for you or someone else? It's one of Jenny's teacher friend's Christmas gift. I'm going to engrave a personalized saying down in here so they can use it as like a cutting board slash charcuterie. Charcuterie. All right. What do you got on the banjo, baby? Well, I guess I could play an original, if you will. Please do. Not only during the pandemic did I build a camper van, (laughs) but I learned the claw hammer style on the banjo. There's kind of two styles on the banjo. There's three finger or scrug style where you use the, the finger picks and what you think like ding, 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 ding. Yeah. or there's the claw hammer where you kind of, your hand is in the shape of a claw. You're hammering the, the strings. than I was expecting. I spent a lot of time on it. <laughs> I learned a lot during COVID. So yeah, and your hands are probably ripped raw. Well, the fingertips have calluses on, but did you say that was an original? I made that. That's incredible, Brooks. Thank you. I don't even know where to go from there. <laughs> Me neither. Me neither. I, really... <laughs> uh, I would like to add more to it, but I, I don't know where to go from there. I mean, I think that's all it needs. Do you 